All right, everybody, we are here with episode one of My Favorite Failures. Finally, I'm your host, Michael. No, not that one. And today we're going to talk about music. I'm very excited about this because I'm not a big music guy. I pretty much know absolutely nothing about the topic. I don't know. I feel like we've all had dreams of playing a big stadium and singing our hearts out. I mean, when I'm driving along in my car and in the, in the rare instances that I'm not sitting in total silence like a serial killer driving for six hours with nothing but the sound of the road underneath my tires, you know, I'm listening to music. I'm listening to music, and uh, I'm singing along. And maybe I'm drumming on the steering wheel. And maybe you do the same thing. I have to imagine that most of us do that, thinking about what it would be like, just fantasizing, just fantasizing, thinking about what it would be like to, uh, to sing in front of a bunch of people. But then, of course, you know, the reality sets in that, holy shit, I would probably crap my pants if I uh, got up on stage in front of even 10 people to try and sing. I can't even do karaoke, and I've had many opportunities. But my guest, my very first guest, my inaugural guest, Chaz Cardigan, he's an up-and-coming artist who just signed to Capitol Records, and we're going to dive into an interview with him in just a moment. But first, if you like what you're hearing and want to hear more, be sure to keep on listening to us at Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Make sure you comment, like, subscribe, share, whatever you can. And go ahead and give me a follow, too, while you're at it. Twitter is at NotThatMichael. And on Instagram, at MyFavoriteFailures. But this isn't about me. It's about our guest, Chaz. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Attention Ghetto Media proudly presents My Favorite Failures! Uh, my first ever guest on My Favorite Failures is a musical artist who just recently signed with Capitol Records and Loud Robot. His song, As I'll Ever Be, is currently featured on Netflix's hit movie to all the boys I ever loved. P.S. I Still Love You. His song, Not Okay, is currently on Sirius XM on Alt Nation. I heard it on the way up to the studio today in the car. That was awesome and his ep vulnerabilia is currently on spotify so go give that a listen chaz cardigan how you doing bud i'm really good man all all of those things you just said have happened in a three-week span so i'm in this like uh sort of manic place where i'm at total bliss if that makes any sense 100 percent. i mean and, and and that's crazy three weeks and all this stuff is happening i mean i've been following you from afar because uh, we've known each other since we were kids um, and and just watching each other grow as artists. But seeing you accomplish the things that you have, I mean, I know it hasn't been easy. I mean, it's it's kind of a long road to to where you've gotten. Um, but I mean, tell tell people about about you. let's let's hear a little bit about like where you're from and 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 how you're you're working and operating right now. Sure. So I grew up in a small town in Kentucky, uh, Midwestern part of Kentucky. There's not really a music scene going on, and I really wanted to make music. I started playing in punk bands when I was about 11, and I was teaching myself guitar and bass and drums and learning how to produce. And eventually, after you know, playing enough bar and barbecue shows in Kentucky for years, every adult just tells you you should go to Nashville. So I started making daily trips to Nashville when I was 13. My dad would uh, would come and get me like an hour before school ended, and then we'd make our way down Nashville. Uh, and I, I just really pursued being an artist and being a songwriter. Sort of accidented my way into the room with a lot of really cool mentors, 
um, because I really didn't know anybody in town and my parents weren't like connected. We didn't really have money or anything like that. And, and if we did, it wasn't Nashville money. So we started, I don't know. My dad was really, really supportive early on, man. And like would cold message people on LinkedIn and just say, Hey, my son makes music. I don't know if you'll like it, but just, can you just talk to him for 30 minutes? And I would get in the room with these people. And I think maybe sort of just on the audacity of that and the dad move there and you know learned how to produce learned how to run a studio learned how to make the things I was hearing in my head and maybe not like excellent yet and then when I was 18 I had a mentor say to me hey you know enough people here you don't need to sink yourself in debt and go to college if you go to college I wanted to go to college I wanted to go to film school I, I was going to completely just not pursue music academically because I thought it was going to become this thing I was just beholden to. So I had a mentor suggest you should just go to work. You should just move to Nashville and make a living doing music. Uh, and I sort of did. You know, I moved on my own. I got an apartment I couldn't really afford. And then within a year, I was sleeping in my car and was sort of like getting by on the good graces of friends and sleeping on couches. Um put out a lot of music under my own birth name. And then I just got burned out on that. I just got burned out on like all of it not working. So it took two years, six months. I didn't have a phone. I didn't use the internet. I didn't do anything. I just stayed in my room. I didn't have a job. I was literally living on nuts and berries, just like $2 a week trying to figure out how the fuck do I do this? How do I get this off the ground? Worked every crappy job you can imagine waiter, barista, steak and shake drive through attendant, uh, return specialist for a huge uh, car park store hub. And along the way, I just figured out how to monetize my time better. I was taking side gigs. I was playing in everybody's band. I was producing records for rappers. Uh, I was playing bass in a rock band. These guys, they'll let me, they'll let me uh, move into their house after their bass player left. I was with them for two years and I was just figuring out kind of to the point of the show, just what can I do? What can I just throw everything in the kitchen sink? And the thing that ended up working was this solo project I had made. I, this solo project, I'd made a record to tape in spare time, just recorded it like it was made in the 70s or something. It's not a great record, I think, but that was the first Fast Cardigan record. And like a month after that came out, I got asked to play South by Southwest. I ended up becoming really good friends with a uh, an A&R at Atlantic Records who... You know, I didn't sign to Atlantic. He was just really helping me get in better rooms as a friend. And we were just hanging out a lot of the time. And slowly I met my booking agents and then I met my manager. And then it's a year and we got label offers and we're putting out singles and raising the value of the brand with all of the Spotify New Music Friday playlisting I was getting throughout 2018. And I go out to Los Angeles for the first time in 2018 for a writing trip meet the A&R at Capitol who would sign me a month later. I played a show in LA in January of 2019, packed out, full of fans. First time I've ever played in the city. Absolutely insane and surreal. And these kids like know the words to the songs. And that is a great room for a record label executive to see you play in a new city. That's what landed the deal. And then sort of just spent the year organizing and getting stuff together and writing. And now it's like everything we actually put together through 2019 is starting to trickle out and it's really really cool man 
That's 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 so dope, dude. I mean, it's really awesome um, just seeing young artists, you know, work. And, and, and that's what it is, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here is you put in the work, all that work uh, for better or worse, like you were you were plugging away at it. And and the thing is, is that there's so many people who are, are doing that also, who just, you know, I know from personal experience, you can struggle for years, for, for decades and, and not really catch a break. Um, but for those who do, it's it's amazing to, to to know that you didn't just fall into it. You really did chug away at all the all the different things you had to do and trying different things to to become who you are today. But um, I feel like there's this mentality that it really does boil down to luck, and maybe to a degree that that's true. Um, I I also think that a lot of people think that. There's this endless need for for positivity and people just consistently working hard and never feeling like they're trapped in a tunnel um, and and never making a single fucking mistake, right? Like, I mean, uh, if, if you're becoming a, a star or if you're succeeding in your chosen field, um, obviously you did every single thing right. And I, I can't imagine that a single person is is actually living that life where every single thing they ever did was perfectly right. So I guess the the, the point of my favorite failures um, is is to get people to reflect on things that they learned from that they personally messed up in the past um, and sharing that with an audience who who really feels like they're making mistakes but don't really know how to move past them. Sure, sure. Wow. Okay. Where do you, where do you start? I mean, okay. What's the what's the mistake I made that I learned the most from? I think that's probably a good place to start. Ah. Okay. Living out of your depth, living out of what you can afford, as like romantic as it might be, to think like, oh, I'm gonna step out on blind faith and I'm just gonna make creativity pay my bills somehow magically is a lot more attainable when you are already paying your bills. It's a lot more attainable when you're already, and I know that sucks to hear. It sucks, like, that's advice I give younger kids a lot when they ask me what do they need to do, and the advice every adult gave me that I refused to listen to was figure out a way to pay your bills and do this because you have to, you need to eat. There was a point, well, I say there was a, there's like three points in the last seven years where I would leave a job or be fired from a job and say, all right, I'm never working a job again. I'm never working a day job again. And that would be up until the last time it would work for like four months. And then suddenly you're right back in it. You're right back to zero. And then you're creatively strained because you're not taking care of your basic resources. I think that's a really important thing that we can't overlook. And also to that point, there's a really toxic atmosphere of constant productivity that doesn't just exist in the creative field. It exists in every job industry, but in ours specifically, I think, well, I mean, in all industries, I think like this idea that you can be constantly productive your output is your self-worth and you're always outputting something otherwise you don't exist as like a consequence of social media and like this um saturation of 
content we're all exposed to. We just think you've got to get stuff out, 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 out. If you're not out there, no one cares about what you're doing. If they're not seeing what you're doing, frankly, no one really cares. I think it's way healthier to realize that you can take a year off from creating things. Um, even if it feels like failure in the moment, because like, oh, you're not making anything. It's way more valuable in the long run to make sure that you're healthy, make sure you're like collected so that you can create better, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I know better than most that there are many times that you will have to stop, regroup and take inventory of everything you're doing and where you're at currently. Um, I'm wondering if there is a specific moment that stands out in your mind. If, if there's a night or a really discouraging place that you were, uh, even just in a headspace where you were like, fuck man, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep doing this and how you sort of overcame that. Yeah. I do remember. Okay. So... After I'd put the first Fast Cardigan record out, um, things were sort of happening online, but if I'm being honest, it was happening more in, like, imagination. The, the beautiful thing about social media is that if you get enough followers, somehow you can sort of give the illusion that, like, things are working out for you. Um, and people just kind of don't question it. Or they do, but they don't really care enough to talk to you about it. So, things were working. I was talking to a record label. And I played a showcase for them, uh, and it didn't work out. And this was happening as I was playing a weekly gig on Broadway in Nashville, where all the honky-tonks are. And I lost that gig. And um, I just I had it for too long, and they were ready to give other people the opportunity. And that was my stability, and it wasn't a lot of money. And that was my excuse to be like, oh, okay, I'm making my money creatively. So I could like justify to mom and dad, like, hey, I'm actually doing okay. Stop, get off my back, guys. I'm doing okay. I'm making like $300 a month. I'm making it work. Um, and I lost that gig at the same time that like, I lost this potential uh, future with a record label at the time. And I think that's what, I think I'd like just broken up or like I'd just gotten out of a relationship. And I remember playing a cover gig in Memphis, Tennessee. It was the worst gig of my life for a multitude of reasons, but it was also a four hour gig and it was just four hours of bad. Everything went wrong. It was, it was a nightmare. It was like living a nightmare. And I remember thinking on stage, like, I cannot do this for another year. I absolutely can't do this for another year if this doesn't make money. What did I do? Well, I buckled down and started charging more for my production prices. That was one thing. Um, when I played a gig, I charged more as a sideman. Um, I took a job a few days a week that wouldn't kill me, but that maybe paid a little more because it was like a mom and pop shop. I was working at a toy store for the holiday season. And that was actually the last job I worked, thinking about it. Because it was just like, okay, I'm going to do just enough to like scrape by, I'm going to upcharge, and I'm just going to start making this work. That was the end of 2017. That's awesome. Um, I guess the last thing I'll ask you is that, uh, I mean, Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, these are our primary audiences, and there's a lot of musicians out there, um, and they're struggling. 
and they're trying to be seen. I mean, uh, I've done music videos for some of them, and they're just really out here trying to make good stuff, and they are making great stuff, but not getting seen. So I guess, uh, how about some advice from uh, our new favorite up-and-coming musical artist, Chaz Cardigan? Okay. Cards on the table, and I tell people this all the time. I learned and adapted to social media in a completely different era than what it is now. And I, I, I don't know, honestly, where to tell kids to start right now. But if I were to give you something, I'd say start making, start putting things out consistently. Don't feel like you need to put something out every week. But, you know, once a month, make sure you've got a song coming out. That at least starts there being a buzz and a record of your name online, which is where most of your promotional work is going to go anyway. So consistently, you need to be dropping something on like SoundCloud, Spotify. The great thing about Spotify now on the Spotify for Artists app, you can pitch to playlisting in the app. Um, so when you've got a song coming out, you can send it to the curators who put together New Music Friday or New Indie or New Alt or Bedroom Pop or whatever. And you can tell them about your song. They will listen to it. And if they like it, regardless of what your following is like, the algorithm will give it a shot. Um, I don't really like TikTok as a format, but it's another great thing about TikTok as a format is that the algorithm gives everybody a shot. If you upload something, somebody's going to see it. Some like it's going to be put in front of someone's random face on their feed, and if they like it, they will like it and they will share it. So take advantage of that. I'd say TikTok is probably a really, really good tool to be using right now as a way to like build your personality outside of music. More and more people don't really engage with products so much as they want to engage with brands. They don't really care if you're just a musician. They want to know that you're a musician who's like funny and they're on TikTok and they've got thoughts on Twitter and that sounds really cynical and it is and you need to get over it and move on and just deal with it. Um, take every show you can that makes sense. When I say that, take every show you can in a regional area that's going to build your following. Make sure you're playing shows consistently. If you're putting out music consistently, people are like, oh, where can I go see that? They look and you've got 10 tour dates or like 10 shows coming up within like a four city, five county region. They're probably going to go to one. They're probably going to come to multiple shows. They're probably going to want to talk to you online. They're going to become fans for a long time if you give them the time of day. That's another thing. Treat people really well. No one needs to listen to your music no one needs to watch your movie no one needs if they do fucking honor that that person took time out of their day to do that so and i think that's the graciousness to appreciate that nobody has to listen to what you're saying goes a long way so that when people are paying money to come to your shows or they're downloading your music just keep it in mind it's a it's a, it, it makes you really appreciate even if it's like a hundred people sometimes it's all you need some people cannot handle having like five million people who want to know what they're doing at every moment of the day. I don't know that I can do that. Sometimes I'm like, maybe maybe just playing a theater every night in every state is not a bad thing. That's a lifelong career of people who like really intimately care about your music. So, you know, don't, that, that's maybe another thing. Don't rush yourself. Don't feel like you need to sign a record deal next year. It's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, from the time you start really selling records at shows and people are really caring about your music it's going to be another five or six years before you maybe luck into meeting someone whose like cousin is an a r at interscope or something and they'd love to have a meeting and blah 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 they saw you play this thing um 
the internet makes brand sponsorships way more accessible. And I think just by, you know, figuring out what your brand is and associating yourself visually with the things you like, you're going to get opportunities as long as the music um, has some substance to it. That's the other thing. Also, just play, 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 play. Give yourself the freedom to fuck up. You're going to write a lot of bad songs. You're going to think they're awesome, and they're awesome when you write them. Uh, and then you got to let them go. And every year you're going to write better songs, and next year you're going to be like, wow, that stuff from last year really sucked, but this stuff's really great. And you're going to say that same thing every year for the rest of your life. So give yourself freedom to play in the sandbox. Treat people well. Take every opportunity. Um, you know, if you've got an opportunity to go play like a weird showcase in LA or whatever, do it, but maybe not on your own money. If you, if a label wants to fly you out, get them to pay for it. You don't need to spend money on that if you're like barely getting by. That's, I, I think that's maybe another lesson. Don't do like big, stupid, risky moves like, oh, I'm going to go talk to an executive in Los Angeles. He DM'd me on Instagram and I haven't seen his face yet, but he really wants to talk about my music. I'm gonna fly out there, I guess. Don't do that. It's not real. It's never, it, if it's if it feels shady, it's probably shady. That sounds like some real sound advice there, Chaz. Chaz, uh, let the people know how old you are. I'm 25. 25 years old, Chaz Cardigan, doing it the way that young artists should be doing it. Buddy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, let the people at home know what they should be looking out for. So I'm, uh, I'm hopping on a summer tour with Barnes Courtney. That'll be hitting most of the states. I'm actually coming to Michigan to play for the first time. I'll be, uh, be in Detroit. I'll be in Grand Rapids. Um, I'll be in Chicago. Um, yeah, man, it's good. San Francisco, uh, San Diego, Utah, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, like all over the country. It's going to be good. And I've got loads of new music saved that'll be coming out over the summer. Probably another video at the top of the summer. Um, Fingers crossed, I think Not Okay is going to radio radio here at the top of the summer. Until then, it's just shows and more music. Very fun stuff, very fun stuff. Uh, yeah, as a music video director, I can speak honestly in saying that the music video for Not Okay is awesome. It's on YouTube right now. Uh, congrats to you guys and your team on that. And congrats on everything, dude. It's It's been such a pleasure uh, catching up and talking with you about all this. I know my listeners appreciated it. Just thank you, yeah. Thank you, dude. I appreciate this.